Friends, beautiful people of the internet, and welcome back to the Roto World Football Podcast. As you know, it is the most important podcast in the universe. My name is Josh Norris. You knew that already. And if you didn't, you're about to learn because today you should subscribe to this very podcast if you have never listened to it before. I'm talking to you, Lloyd and Lauren and Lawrence and Timothy Larry. and Larry and Sean and all those beautiful people. Subscribe to this LeBron. podcast. <laughs> Yes, those people that are probably like one to five years old plus LeBron James. Yes, subscribe to this very podcast. Also, if you have yet to listen and watch, tune in to Rotor World Live this Sunday, every Sunday at noon Eastern. It's myself and Richard Rebar for an hour leading up till kickoff. Plus, we bring in Evan and Ray and Pat to answer all of your questions to help you set your optimal lineup. It's been really fun each week, so be sure to tune in. Again, that's on Rotoworld's YouTube page, and go and subscribe to that. We'll have Pat later on talk about his rankings, but first up, it is Evan Silva. Evan, how did it feel to have two fewer games to uh, two fewer teams to write up this week? I should say it was like vacation, man. I like um, <laughs> what'd you do for that almost, extra like I, thirty minutes? <laughs> I almost went out to dinner. I actually uh, <laughs> just got takeout. Okay. But I almost, I thought about going out to dinner and I just got takeout, but it was nice, um, you know, stop eating peanut butter and jellies, which are just horrible for you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to move on with my life. Uh, can I ask, do you have, because I'm actually curious, do you have a go-to takeout spot around you? Yeah. I mean, when I'm like really in the zone and, you know, it's like the off season, I uh, get omelets a lot. Oh, from, that's what you crave? Uh, you and I had yep. omelets when I met you in Chicago the first yes, time. Yes, we did. Well, omelets are good for you. I, I, mean, I love them. Yeah, we had some great omelets. I've actually thought about those omelets since then, Evan, because they were like six egg omelets, and you could have like everything in them, and it was just one standard price. It was great. Yeah, you you can't eat them with you know those greasy ass like hash browns on right. the side. Right. If you get an omelet with like vegetables yep. and you know some good like bacon and or sausage, it, that's like a healthy meal. Um, that's what I always eat uh, or often eat during the off season. But during the season, I just, I, I make bad decisions. You veg. I hear you. I was just curious what, what Evan craved during his writing and uh, workflow time. Okay. Let's get into some of the names. I, I just try to like eat stuff that will make me like fill me up until yeah. the next time that I like get hungry. It's like many hibernations each time. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Evan's matchups column is up on Roto World right now. Go and check it out. We're going to run through three names. First name, Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron last week, Evan stepped in for an injured Jack Doyle. I mean, Ebron was getting snaps anyways, but yeah. he uh, saw 11 targets, I believe, including a number of red zone targets on the season. So, what do we think about Eric Ebron this week against the Houston Texans? Yeah. And he was, of course, massively owned in daily fantasy. And I knew that he would be. So I didn't play him anywhere, you know, not that I won everything, but it, it did help me in tournaments to not have him at all. Um, and he had five catches for 33 yards, which undoubtedly people were disappointed with. He, but his, his opportunity is really what matters most. And it looks like Jack Dole is not going to play. Eric Ebron had 11 targets in week three. Okay. 
tight ends that get 11 targets in a game are extremely rare. Travis Kelsey doesn't even get 11 targets in games. Right. Zach Ertz does sometimes. Rob Gronkowski does sometimes. But that's really about it. But Eric Ebron's routes per game shot up from 21 to 41 last week. Again, the 11 targets. He is uh, tied with T.Y. Hilton for the team lead in red zone targets. And he's not playing a, a defense that is good against tight ends anymore. Last week he played Philadelphia. They have a lot of athleticism at uh, linebacker uh, Nigel Bradham and Jordan Hicks. Uh, and they, they had good safety play. Now he's going up against the Texans. Um, and I looked at uh, the Texans. How have tight ends fared against the, uh, uh, the Texans so far? Tight ends, uh, when quarterbacks are targeting, targeting tight, uh, tight ends against the Texans, 13 of 14 for 196 yards and two touchdowns. So the efficiency of throwing two tight ends against the Texans is just extreme. And Eric Ebron is, again, going to run 40-plus routes. He really fits the offense. T.Y. Hilton, you know, the downfield playmaker, has not been having these big games because they're not uh, hitting the downfield passes like they were in previous years. They're trying to get the ball out quickly. They know that Andrew Luck's arm strength is you know, still in a building process. Eric Ebron has been a huge part of their offense. He's going to be their number one receiver in week four. Ooh, I was going to ask more about this offense, Evan, and you mentioned a lot of it, so I don't really need to anymore. But I know Reeves weren't out in the worksheet, and I'm going to talk about this with Pat later on, that T.Y. Hilton's average depth of target has dropped like four and a half yards from this season compared to his career seasons. Um, I mean, early on, we were kind of waiting for that big play to hit, but it kind of seems like that's just not going to happen. I mean, I'm sure they will once in a while, but that's just not where this offense is flowing and going and the purpose of it anymore. Would you play Eric Ebron over? Well, I'm not going to put you on the spot. No, we'll just keep going. Okay. No, put me on the spot. I want to hear it. Would you play Eric Ebron over David Njoku? Yes. Okay. Would you play him over, well, let's get into Tyler Eifert, actually. That's the next name on this list. Tyler Eifert's facing the Atlanta Falcons this week. Tyler Eifert really bounced back and had his best game of the season, I think, um, and maybe best game in some time, when facing the Carolina Panthers, made some very, very difficult catches uh, and was used in a variety of ways, I thought of it. Yeah, I mean, I've lo- I have loved what I've seen of Tyler Eifert so far, and um, I have covered two of the three Bengals games so far on Sundays. And, you know, when you're covering the games on Sunday, it's a little bit different than just rewatching them because you're really in tune to them moment to moment. And, you know, the game takes friggin' three hours to watch as opposed to 30 minutes or 45 minutes on, on, uh, on game pass. Um, but Eifert, I think has looked fantastic and he's gotten better every week and the Bengals know it because it reflects in his playing time and his usage okay in chronological order his weeks one through three snap percentages were 41 percent 64 percent 66 percent his routes 18 34 36 Hmm. his targets three four and eight last week he saw eight now he's playing in a game at the Georgia Dome, or actually uh, it's now called the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium or something like that uh, in Atlanta, Uh, but it's still a dome, and and this is a a high-scoring projected affair. He's facing a Falcons defense that 
has lost both of its starting safeties and its middle linebacker to injured reserve. Uh, so what are the positions that most commonly match up with tight ends, safeties and linebackers? So the, the Falcons are very shorthanded at those positions. He's in a projected shootout. His uh, usage is rising. He's still kind of like the number three option in the Bengals passing game, and he's certainly no lock. Uh, he actually may be even the number four because Giovanni Bernard should be a huge part yeah. of their past game this week. And Tyler Boyd has stepped forward as a clear number two. And A.J. Green is, you know, the GOAT. And he's only A.J. Green has only played one game. I looked at this. A.J. Green, who played uh, at Georgia, has only played one game in the pros uh, in Georgia. And he uh, had zero catches and he got hurt in that game. So you have to think that, you know, I mean, this is all narrative stuff, but uh, you have to think that A.J. Green is really, you know, really wanting to play in, the, in this game. And uh, the way that he has talked about coming back from the groin injury, he's certainly going to play. But um, I, I really, really like uh, Tyler Eifert's matchup and his rising usage. And on FanDuel, man, he is 4600 Hmm. $100 more than the, the stone minimum. That's good stuff, Tono, Evan. All right, let's close it out with Antonio Callaway. I know a lot of people want the exposure to the Browns' offense now after what we saw in the second half with Baker Mayfield joining in. Um, kind of the spark he gave the entire offense. Hopefully that translates to David Njoku, and hopefully that translates to options on the offense outside of just Jarvis Landry and Carlos Hyde, how they can feed and and make stable uh, other pass-catching options. And one of those, Evan, is Antonio Callaway, who showed a great rapport with Baker Mayfield, whatever that's worth, in preseason, because you know we're team preseason here, Evan. Oh, we absolutely are. And we know that it all matters. Got it. Uh, but but anyway, I forgot to mention with Baker, Evan, that yeah. th- this offense might struggle a little bit because of the vaunted pass rush that the Oakland Raiders have. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the, the, wait, can you say that again? <laughs> the Browns' offense might struggle because of the vaunted pass rush that John Gruden has created with the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> oh, right? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Let's move on. Hang on. Anyways, uh, the Raiders enter this game ranked. I don't know. You know, is that uh, based on the eye test? Uh, The the Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders enter this game ranked dead last in the NFL in sacks and quarterback hits, and also despite having faced the third fewest pass attempts in the NFL, they have allowed the third most twenty-plus yard completions in the NFL. So think about that for a second. I just thought about it. You're hemorrhaging big plays, okay? A large percentage of the completions that you were giving up are big plays. So. That's that's a bad thing for defenses. Let's just go through the, um, the Browns roster and look at some guys who might have big play potential. Hmm. Hmm. I land on Antonio friggin' Callaway, who... I know people say that the, the preseason uh, doesn't matter, but I happen to watch every single preseason game for the Browns. And uh, if you watch their preseason opener, when Baker Mayfield and Antonio Callaway played, 
uh, pretty much the entire game. I think Baker got with three plus quarters and Antonio Callaway played like every snap on punishment. Antonio Callaway had three catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I think he caught every pass from Mayfield in that game. He certainly caught that uh, the long TD from Baker Mayfield last week had 10 targets. Now only three of them came at the end of the game from Baker Mayfield. So, you know, I'm not going to overemphasize the 10 targets, but we have seen them be productive before. We have seen this Raiders defense get smashed by big plays. We have seen this Raiders defense be unable to generate any kind of pass rush. And we have seen Antonio Callaway look like Santonio Holmes 2.0. And do you know what we also have seen, Josh? Baker Mayfield flash in one half of play? And throw We've deep. seen Antonio Callaway be priced at the stone minimum on okay. FanDuel forty five hundred. Oh, this week, so one hundred fewer than Tyler Eifert, who's also a value play in your opinion. Bang bang, bang bang. That is Evan Silva. Um, okay, thanks a lot, Evan. You're the man. I appreciate that. And just after this, we have another cool person who lives in this universe. His name is Patrick Doherty. He's coming up right now. Hey, listeners. Listen up to me right now. You need to try my favorite fantasy football app. That is Draft. It was the same thing during the summer. It's the same thing now. I know you use a lot of DFS platforms. You know this is authentic, by the way, because the train is going by. But Draft is different because Draft allows you to guess what? Draft against people. It's not salary cap based. You know, there are drafts where you select five players. Also, auction drafts. So the best way to approach Draft now to dip your toe in the pool so go to draft.com slash rotoworld or enter promo code rotoworld on your mobile device after downloading draft from the app store because it gets you a free entry into a live real draft and drafts start as soon as they are filled again that's draft.com slash rotoworld or promo code rotoworld really check it out it's a lot of fun now time to bring on patrick doherty Pat, Patrick, Patrick, we are busy people, so let's get right into it. I know your rankings are up on Roto World right now. You're also going to be in the show with me on Sunday. Pat, you have quarterback 12 as TB12. That is Tom Brady. Tell me why, <laughs> because a lot of people who drafted Tom Brady will want to start him regardless. Uh, not enough pliability training this week. Um, <laughs> Pilates? like the... Yeah, I just didn't like the program he and Alex Guerrero had this week. Is really the main, the main yeah, thing here. But uh, no, I mean, what is the QB twenty by average points so far? Uh, we haven't seen him have like a truly good fantasy game yet. Um, you know, comeback mode. Uh, the second half is usually his bread and butter when he's his most ruthless. When he really like piles on in fantasy and. Uh, Granted, it was against an expatriate who knew his tendencies, but he was completely discombobulated in the second half against the Lions last week. Yeah, 14 of 26 for just 133 yards, one touchdown and one interception. And I believe they ran like the fewest number of plays since 2010, something like that. Yeah, it was just one of the – one of the you know, he has a few of those performances a year, but one of the shakiest performances I've ever seen from him, especially in the second half, just couldn't get anything going. And I don't think it's time to you know panic – season long on Tom Brady. I mean, the time to panic will be when he does this with Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman, yeah. both in the lineup. So have to reserve judgment, but you know, especially the dolphins have been kind of upstart on defense so far this year. Uh, 
Fortunately, they lost two rotational pass rushers last week and William Hayes, Andre Branch. So they're coming into a place they have not won since 2008, uh, a little shorthanded. But, yeah, it was, we haven't seen it out of Tom Brady yet. I think the Dolphins are a little underrated defensively, and uh, I think QB12 is uh, an appropriate hedge for uh, TB12. How how much you factor in like past performances against teams at home? Because I think in the worksheet, Reeves pointed out that like the last six home games, the Patriots have beaten the Dolphins by like on average 18 points. Um, is it something where we know the Patriots are consistently good, but a team like the Dolphins can fluctuate how good they are from year to year. So it might not hold up as much as some, some think it should. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what the Patriots did in New England against Jay Cutler last year. Yeah, um, It's kind of funny. The Dolphins kind of do the same thing to the Patriots down in Miami. Like traditionally, that's been like the Dolphins' Super Bowl. Uh, they did that to Tom Brady last year. They so uh, actually, yeah, that's kind of a funny thing about Week Three is the last time Tom Brady looked like that was the last time he played the Dolphins uh, last December. Had a just truly horrible start. I think even worse than he was against the Lions. But just so much changes from year to year. Sure. Uh, don't put a ton of stock into that. Other than the Patriots are usually good. The Dolphins are usually bad, and good teams usually beat bad teams at home. Let's so. move on to those Miami Dolphins who are facing the New England Patriots. Uh, Kenyon Drake is involved. Well, not as much as I had hoped for him to be, Pat. Uh, there are a couple of factors working against him here, okay? One, the Dolphins are running like 100 fewer plays um, on pace to do that as last year's last place team in that category, which was the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Kenyon Drake saw 14 carries in week one with three receptions, 11 carries in week two for four receptions. And then last week, Pat followed it up with a five carry two reception game. Um, you have him as running back 17 and I love it from a talent perspective, but like, are we sure this is going to turn around from an opportunity perspective? Yeah. I mean, it was a true yikes performance for Kenyon Drake last week. Uh, I hashtag covered that game, and like you say, he just barely uh, even got the ball. Part of that last week was the Dolphins kept scoring like 60 to 70-yard touchdowns right. against the Raiders, kind of making for short drives. And the reason I'm sticking with uh, Kenyon this week is the usage was pretty much about where I expected it to be in weeks one and two, 17 touches, 15 touches. And I just think he has a big athletic advantage right now on the Patriots' front seven, like especially their linebacker core. This looked kind of slow last week. And, uh, you know, the Patriots pretty very soft against the run. I think by yardage allowed, they've been 31st against the run. You know, we just saw them give up the Lions' uh, first 100-yard rushing performance since 2013 Thanksgiving. Uh, Reggie Bush, where are you at? Yep. Um, He's on the whole network so on the game tonight. I just think, so. yeah, I just think it's a good – uh, it's a good matchup for Kenyon, and the first two weeks, even though they weren't huge fantasy weeks, I was still kind of ultimately liking what I was seeing, and I'm going to give him a mulligan. We've got a famous last words because uh, hard to sugarcoat seven touches for 10 yards, right. but uh, I'm, I'm giving him another week, Josh. Yeah, that's nearing like Amari Cooper, two catches for 10 yards territory. Um, yeah. Here's a question for you, Pat, and I'm putting you on the spot. I think one – Kenyon Drake, because you get asked this question after three weeks, like who's someone you want to trade for? And Kenyon Drake is on that list for me. Would you trade Le'Veon Bell straight up for Kenyon Drake rest of the season? Mm, Oh, man. You can play Uh, the fifth if you want to. 
I think I will. This is my instincts that Le'Veon Bell is going to go full Vincent Jackson and only come back when he needs to come back to get in a crude season. Right. But so like week um, 10. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and like time's slipping away here. Like, uh, you know, as much as you'd like to play the long game in fantasy football, fantasy football is not really a long game. Nope. Like for anyone who's like really obsessed with fantasy sports, like fantasy baseball, is kind of a long game. Like you can stash people for like two or three months at the beginning of the season and like they'll come back and like really make a huge impact. Fantasy football, you know, like week four or five, you're like almost halfway through the season already. Like you got to, there's so many injuries. You can't have like these sunk roster spots and, right. uh, yeah, so yeah, it's not probably not a bad time to sell Le'Veon Bell. Okay, moving on to T.Y. Hilton, who at one point, Pat, was viewed as one of the best vertical big play wide receivers uh, in the league. And his quarterback is just not allowing that to happen this year. In fact, I think I looked up the stat, if I can remember off the top of my head. Since 2013, only six of 231 quarterback seasons with over 100 throws, have a yards per attempt average of 5.4 or lower. And 2018, Andrew Luck is one of those. Again, that's six out of 231 quarterbacks. And to move on past that, T.Y. Hilton's average depth of target, I think, has dropped 4.5 yards down to eight compared to his career average prior to this year. Pat, you have T.Y. Hilton as a wide receiver 18, and I'm assuming that that is a volume-based projection. It is, you know, they're kind of using him like 2017 Austin Severian Jenkins right now. Uh, just get him the ball five or six yards down the field, have him fall down, uh, hopefully be a first down. Um, yeah, it's an exaggeration for humor, Josh. I, I but, said uh, oof. Really, barely an exaggeration though. And <laughs> I tweeted a lot about Andrew Luck this week. Uh, the Colts for the first time in a while, like I kind of had like a riled up fan base and like in my mentions like all week. Um, because I was tweeting about how I'm deeply concerned about Andrew Luck, because, I mean, I am. Like, it's not just the stats. Uh, like, when he when he th- was throwing last week, and he truly reminded me of 2015 Peyton Manning. Like, there just was no drive on the ball. Uh, the few times he did try to go deep, uh, you know, the ball, he could heave it up there, but he didn't really have any idea where it was going, and which is like a staple of losing your arm strength. A lot of times you can still kind of heave it down the field, uh, but you have no control over it's where, where it's going. You know, they didn't even trust him to do the end game Hail Mary, right. which has already become an infamous moment uh, early in the season. So, yeah, the, 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 Luck is still going to maybe what, attempt like 40 passes. And anytime that happens, you can have like a top 16, top 17 uh, quarterback day. But you know, the way they're using T.Y. Hilton, like turning him into like a possession, like kind of like red zone receiver. Um, yeah, that's like, that's like low end wide receiver two usage for a guy who had traditionally been a wide receiver one. Uh, when Andrew, whenever Andrew Luck was healthy, so but Andrew Luck basically like there needs to be another gear in his recovery, if, because if there is not another gear in his recovery, and this is who he is now, uh, I don't see how that's sustainable yeah. uh, over multiple seasons in the NFL. They're going to clearly gut it out all sixteen games this year. But if there's not another gear in this recovery, uh, Andrew Luck is in uh, real trouble. Yeah, and again, I'm no doctor, but it's just fascinating that both Cam and Andrew Luck had shoulder surgeries prior to last season. And, you know, Cam, it seems like he's back to full strength, and Andrew Luck, it's not. And maybe it's a totally different surgery, and it probably was, but just fascinating from a uh, parentheses shoulder surgery in parentheses standpoint. I did both surgeries. They were the exact same. Uh, Also, Pat, since you 
compared him to 2015 Peyton Manning? Does that mean you are predicting the Colts win the Super Bowl? Yeah, that's a boy. Wouldn't that be? Uh, like, I don't know who would win that Twitter argument then. Like, if Andrew Luck kept this up all year, but he did it as a Super Bowl champion, I'm sure I would be roundly mocked forever in my ads, even though I would technically be right. No, Pat, if, if it happens, this is your out because this was your prediction episode for that. So that, that's why Colts fans should be in your good side. 2018, uh, they are especially they're going to sign uh, Trevor Simeon or Brock Osweiler, acquire Brock Osweiler, maybe from the Dolphins. And, right, uh, right. Kind of Bring the band back together. Yeah, yeah. So you heard it here first. Uh, Super Bowl <laughs> champs. Hey, Colts defense overachieving so far. So yes, I mean there wasn't much to achieve in the first place. Finishing out with Jared Cook. This is a very optimistic view. You have Jared Cook at tight end five. We all know Jared Cook's initial star-studded performance in that final Monday night game. 12 targets, 9 catches, 180 yards. But since Pat, he's combined for 10 targets. Since he's combined for 9 catches. And since he has combined for 80 total yards with no touchdowns. Yep, it's very optimistic, Josh. Uh, but, you know, he's a Gruden grinder. And uh, to uh, kind of uh, elaborate on your stats, 70% of his yardage came in week one. Uh, but he's, he's had at least four catches all three weeks. And I just think – I don't – I think you know, obviously week one was an outlier, but I think his his uh, average yardage is going to be a hot above what we saw in weeks two or in three. And it's just such a sorry state at tight end right now. Like who are we seeing consistency from? I mean, after like, even after Rob Gronkowski hasn't even been consistent so far. I mean, after Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz, it's kind of you're kind of like drawing names out of a hat. And just uh, John Gruden has kind of put his money where his mouth is with Jared Cook, a player he's praised and a player they are at least getting the ball. Uh, he hasn't done a ton with it the past two weeks, but uh, Jared Cook, a guy who's gotten better each year from further removed. He's been from Jeff Fisher, and uh, I just Imagine think he's that. someone, especially against kind of like a kind of an underrated Browns defense. Uh, Derek Carr might not have a lot of time to throw. Might be having to get in it more like week one, trying to get it to his running backs, trying to get it to Jared Cook. So that's the that's the thinking here. Um, could go terribly wrong, but that's the thinking here. Well, Pat, um, just like last week, this week I want you to know that I love you and that I will see you on the Sunday show, which is Roto World Live, noon Eastern. For you, all you lovely people out there, thank you for tuning in each and every week. And Pat, you can check out his rankings. You can check out Evan's matchups column all over at rotorolf.com. Subscribe to this very podcast and we'll talk to you all soon. See ya.